0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Mississauga, Ontario. Welcome to the show, Omar Khan.
1: Thanks, Victor. I appreciate having me on.
0: Well, great to have you here. You were on the show before, um, maybe about a year ago, and for the listeners who haven't met you before, maybe give a little bit of your backstory, how you got to this point in your journey.
1: Yeah. So my backstory is I uh, grew up in here in Southern Ontario, grew up financially illiterate. Uh, and I had always a, a craving not to be financially illiterate because I saw the damage it did to my family growing up. I didn't want any part of it as I grew up. So went to high school, went to university, learned nothing about how to grow money. Nothing I was taught. And I went to U of T for economics. So none of that was taught. Uh, and then it was either figured out from there or uh, be broke for the rest of my life. So I started figuring out, uh, started dabbling in the stock market in the late 90s. I'm a stock guy, so got pretty good at that. I started making some pretty good money. 07, 08, 09, the financial collapse hit. The stock market took an absolute beating. It does that from time to time. And I realized I need to start buying real estate because I can't have all my money in one asset category again. So uh, 2010, bought my first investment property and I bought north of 30 properties uh, since then subsequently. So I built up a really, really big real estate portfolio after then. But I did a lot of that. uh, The funding was done a lot through my uh, trading account. So that's my story. So I sold a bunch of my real estate off, my single family stuff. I've got tons of commercial property all in Hamilton, Ontario, and I'm going to keep growing it over the years. Uh, And yeah, it's been a good journey so far.
0: Well, Hamilton's one of those markets that's in the shadow of Toronto, and it's kind of that outer band where often the value of real estate is driven in fact by transportation and the light rail system extending into Hamilton, giving people access to the downtown core in Toronto without having to change trains uh, certainly has increased values in the Hamilton market considerably.
1: Yeah. Hamilton market. That's exactly why I bought in Hamilton because I I knew that Southern Ontario, you know, you just look at the number of immigrants coming in. uh, You you know, I spoke of this earlier. You have to ask where are they going to go, right? You have a natural population growth. Where are they going to go? Hamilton is 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 very much a downtown core with a diverse economy, yet still within commuting distance to Toronto. So as Toronto became more and more unaffordable, which I thought was going to happen, then Hamilton became a very viable option. Prices have risen accordingly, and I think they're going to continue because Hamilton is still relatively, comparatively speaking, far more affordable than anywhere else.
0: Well, and for the listeners who are thinking about different markets, whether it is some of the major markets all around the United States, some of the fastest growing markets like Nashville and Austin and Dallas. Toronto's on a similar scale. It's still one of the fastest growing cities, continues to attract 10,0, 125,000 new immigrants a year. So it's continuing to be a fast growing city, but it has this problem. It's out of developable land and they're only adding 30, 35,000 new units of construction every year, not keeping pace with the demand. So at a certain point, once we start to get over a couple of hundred thousand immigrants a year coming in, as is projected, where are they going to go? And it's just not obvious where they're going to go. And it's part of the upward pressure on prices.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's not obvious where they're going to go. I think the majority of people are going to start going to the outskirts of, of the greater Toronto area, the ones that were originally intending to come to Toronto, and the reason I say that is because a lot of immigrants congregate where other immigrants of their community already are. Toronto is very diverse that way. So is Ottawa. Uh, and there's so other cities as well. So you wind up going in the outskirts of those cities just because of affordability reasons. Uh, and you're already seeing that. Like I've seen major price increases in Cambridge and uh, London, Ontario, uh, Niagara Falls, Hamilton. There's major wealth, there's major price appreciations in Barrie. Uh, and I think that's probably going to continue.
0: I I think it is as well. And we see that in a lot of major American cities as well, where, you know, for example, you you see the outskirts of Nashville, places like Franklin and and other areas that are well outside the core of the city, continuing to attract population. And it's just a, a growing trend in those cities that are really constrained by growth in the core.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So one of the things that happens, you go through a long period of time where You have year-over-year increases. You have year-over-year double-digit increases like we've had over the last few years. The memory of 2008 has faded. The memory of the late 1980s and early 1990s has faded. And it's sometimes even explained away, well, that was a financial crisis. That will never happen again. Or that was hyperinflation. That'll never happen again. Well, guess what? Here we are. What are the signs that you're looking for of potentially a market correction if there's going to be a market correction? Do you, well, do you think there will be? And if so, what what would be the signs?
1: Yeah. First of all, uh, the first thing I like when people say it's different this time, and that I know is never true. It's never different this time. It's always the same as every other time. So now that being said, I don't think there'll be a correction, in, at least in, in in my market in Southern Ontario for the reasons we talked about. You simply have too many people coming in and a shortage of supply, uh, and therefore you have a problem. There's an imbalance, even in a rising rate environment. So we know the Federal Reserve in the United States, and we can look at bond rates. Bond rates are already increasing. You know, I've already shown a five, at least five rate increases, maybe even six increases. So the bond market is already pricing in higher interest rates, okay? That's gonna happen. The stock, the, 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 the real estate market's a lagging indicator. These haven't taken effect yet. Even in spite of increasing interest rates though, I think uh, I think prices in southern Ontario will. If I don't think they're going to continue increasing at this torrid pace, but I don't think they're going to go down a lot. Uh, the one thing I will say is, if you, I've, I've noticed a lot here is the higher end homes—they're not really appreciating much. It's the lower end of the market that's really gotten—it's on fire. Like you know, you just drive around the GTA here and, and I, in the saga where I live, and you're, you see townhouses for one point four million new construction. That to me is just mind-boggling. I don't see how people are going to afford those things, but. Uh, it is what it is. It's supply and demand. Clearly, there is demand. Otherwise, there wouldn't be supply, right? People wouldn't be buying it. So clearly, there is. So I think the biggest thing is people have short memories of the markets, right? They think, oh, it can't happen again. It can't happen again. But that's a fallacy, and we it can happen. And you have to be prepared for it. So the lesson that I learned from 0809 for me in the stock market was concentration risk. I didn't want to have all my assets in one category again. So I don't think there's a correction coming. But I do think at some point in time, there will be. And the higher this goes, the the harder, the nastier it's going to be. Uh, when and if that happens, I uh, don't know, but I think the concentration risk for people is something definitely to be considered.
0: We tend to think of North America as being an economic engine for the world, and in many ways it is. But if you add Canada and the US together, we're 360, 370 million people, that's still only 5% of the global total population. And so all eyes are still on this economic engine. There's still lots of demand for people to move here and participate in the American dream and and so on. So I don't see the demand for housing decreasing. I, I see the demand continuing to be there. Very robust because these economic conditions are still some of the best places in the world for people to live, for people to invest. And I've traveled all over the world and there's some amazing places all over the world, but still this is the place to be.
1: Yeah, you got law and order here. You have, you know, rule of law is like it reigns supreme. Uh, there's, there is corruption in North America, like any other place in the world, but it's far lower. You know, there is, there is that that, and that's why a lot of people want to come here, and that also keeps real estate prices high because even if you're, there's wealthy people from all corners of the world. A lot of them want to be in Canada and the United States because it's a safe haven for their capital as well, right? They know it's safe and secure. There. And that's we've seen that influx of Chinese investors. You know, you see other countries like Toronto, uh, not Toronto, just the Canadian real estate market in general, a lot of it's been driven up by foreign investors, right? Particularly the Vancouver market, right? It's just been, without that foreign investor, it'd be a whole different ballgame. I don't think that will subside as well in the future. Canada will continue to attract capital from across the world, as will the United States, because of the stability that they offer.
0: Oh, I think that's a great point. And if you consider, for example, imagine you're a a wealthy business owner, say, from Brazil or Argentina, where you're... Currency is being devalued at 15% a year. You need a place to park cash that's not going to go negative 15% a year. You would sooner buy a place in Miami, and you're happy with 0% return because it's not minus 15. And 0% return is a, is a huge win compared with the alternative. And we often get fixated on rates of return, rates of return, rates of return, when that may not be the most important thing for everybody, and there's a different set of math that's being done for people that are coming from different parts of the world, and so you have to understand those market drivers to understand what's driving the demand.
1: I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah that I, great point. If you're if you're someone from Brazil or Argentina and you want to park your capital instead of having deflation, you know, inflation ravage your purchasing power, you're better off parking that capital there, and perhaps even gaining some sort of citizenship or you know, permanent resident status because of that's another uh, a bonus. Uh, that it's afforded to wealthy people who come to North America, you know, Canada. I know has a program, and I know the United States has a program where you know that to, just to attract that capital. Like for example, if I wanted to go to the United States, I could go, right? I've got enough capital where I would just go and invest, and I would, I would, you know, most likely get uh, uh, permanent resident status if I wanted to, and and other people around the world can do that. And that's a smart move on the Americans and the Canadian government part is is to attract that foreign capital. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, the commercial markets is on something is a whole different ballgame. Commercial markets is uh, is you know that's a tough one because things are changing so rapidly when it comes to commercial properties in terms of you know how we how we how we do retail. You know, retail is not what it used to be. So that is one consideration I think that that people should take into account because we're getting way more into uh, into uh, ordering online, right? So online retailing is is skyrocketing. Uh, so if you have a lot of exposure that way, that could be another concern. Uh, restaurants, you know, obviously the hospitality industry is absolutely pounded. I know that I've got a few, uh, you know, spots that that rely upon. I've got you know, restaurants, so it, it, it's been very challenging for them in this environment. So hopefully, that's behind us now. But uh, yeah, these are all the concerns and considerations when investing in real estate.
0: I think commercial is going to see a significant comeback. Not in this, not the way that it was in 2019, but it will. It will be different. I was in Houston last week, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, that the restaurants are full. I mean, active and full. There's so much pent-up demand. And I'm not talking on a Friday night. I'm talking like on a Tuesday night. I mean, the restaurants were full. And I haven't seen that in a little while. I think the restaurants that survived are going to be doing a bang-up business in 2022 and beyond. It's a good time to be playing offense in that particular industry, at least for the time being. Yes, there was a, a growth in online ordering. But I think there is demand, pent-up demand for dining out. And I think we are going to see a significant resurgence in that particular segment. It's experiential. People are tired of takeout. They, they just are. And yeah. I think it's going to be a bit of an interesting play. You've got to segment the commercial products into their constituent components. But if you were to look at the market cycle and imagine for a moment that there is going to be an economic downturn as there almost certainly will be mm-hmm. question is who will be impacted and when and and how and what does diversification even look like in the context of a market downturn what products are in fact going to be countercyclical to the economy if there aren't any what what are your thoughts
1: yeah i agree with you. it's only a matter of if not when you have a market uh you you, you have a recession it's guaranteed we had one in 2020 you know, 0809 before that was the last one. They happen and they're going to happen again in the future. Uh, so, for me personally, again, everybody's different. For me personally, what I learned from 0809, and I'll, I'll do this for the rest of my life, I like to have a, a solid stock portfolio in place to counteract uh, my real estate portfolio because they offer different things in my life. I've got great long term real estate assets, which continually pay themselves off, great hedging inflation, but it's not great for cash flow. I've got my real estate, uh, my stock portfolio, which is fantastic for cash flow. I can invest in some of the most innovative companies in the world, which, and I also personally think the world is going to change drastically in the next five years. So for me to be able to look at two asset categories objectively and identify where I think the best risk-adjusted rate of return is, to me, that is how I like to achieve diversification instead of diversification only in one asset category. Because I've done that before, and I know what it can do, and like we talked about earlier on you know let's say you let's say i'm a us real estate investor and i had taken that approach going into 0809 and i said you know what i've got real estate okay now i've got commercial real estate i've got lots of residential real estate and then bam what happened happened and then what position am i left in i don't want to be in that vulnerable position where you know i'm just getting eaten alive by you know my erosion of my asset value where i'm having to sell off at catastrophic losses to cover cash flow that's not a good spot to be in so for me, I like to have liquid assets in the real estate and the stock market that counteract my real estate portfolio.
0: Very interesting. Well, fascinating conversation. Omar, if folks want to connect if they want to learn more. What's the best way?
1: Yeah, just shoot me an email at, Omar at Theta trading co. com, And that's T-H-E-T-A, tradingco.com. Be happy to help.
0: Fabulous. Well, thank you for the perspective. Definitely for the listeners at home, reach out to Omar at Omar at ThetaTradingCo.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.